don't practice information selection bias. I was quite selective in what I believed, in what I read, and like I said, ignoring or at least downplaying or discounting any contrary research or opinions. I think those were the two main lessons, you know, overconfidence and information selection bias. I read all the time in these behavioral investing books, but I think it happens to the best of us. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Warapon, or nicknamed Jim Ponwanit. Jim, are you ready to rock? I am. Let's start it, Andrew. All right, let's do it. So Jim is the founder and CEO of a company called Pure Power, a Thai marketplace lending platform. Very interesting story. Jim has 17 years of experience in investment banking, having served at Morgan Stanley in New York and Hong Kong before co-founding the boutique financial advisory firm, Kronos Advisory, which specializes in mergers and acquisitions, structured finance, and capital raising. Combining his deep finance experience with a passion for fintech, Jim, with a core team of entrepreneurs founded PeerPower in 2016 to connect small and medium-sized borrowers with investors. That's a pretty cool thing. Jim has been an investor for 27 years, having bought his first stock at the age of 18. He has held his CFA charter since 2001, only two, or since 2003, only two years after when I got mine in 2001. All right, Jim, take a minute, fill in any further tidbits about your life. Great. Thanks for the intro, Andrew. I guess two other tidbits is, you know, my wife and I are pretty big foodies. So whenever we take vacation, we try to schedule our visits around good eating spots. So after this, if you know any, we'd love introductions. And the second, as I told you earlier, you know, I, I love dogs. We have one and, and, you know, we spend a lot of time with it to relax and such. Two, two very awesome things. I remember a great trip to Istanbul with my niece, Kristen, ah. and we just decided okay, forget it. All we're doing is going from one little restaurant, one little place to the next all day long. And we just had the most amazing food. So Istanbul was a, a favorite of mine. So that's my tip. Right. We'll add it to the list. There you go. All right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Okay, great. The groundwork of this was, this was mid-2015, about, let's say, eight or nine years after the 2008 financial crisis. So what I did, I think, during the 2008-2009 financial crisis is I liquidated my U.S. portfolio, put some money into some structured bonds and some, you know, other equity investments, which did quite well over the course. As you know, that was the run-up of uh, U.S. stocks. Still not done yet, I suppose, but that was the beginning. So when I liquidated that position, I had some liquidity on hand in mid-2015 and looking to diversify my portfolio further to deploy my capital. By that time, I began sort of becoming obsessed with volatility. So I was looking for ways in which to trade volatility. And as you know, the biggest measure of volatility, I suppose, in the stock market is something called the VIX index, VIX right, which is a liquidity benchmark of the S&P 500 traded on the Chicago Board of Exchange. But 
the problem was there was no single direct product to expose yourself to that. So you either had to buy derivatives, construct it yourself, or by that time there was a new product popping up called exchange traded notes. One of these exchange traded notes or ETN is something called VXX. So this was supposed to track the VIX index rather well. So, you know, going in again, being very confident at that time, cash in my pocket, just made some beautiful returns off of, you know, investments after the financial crisis, did my research, went in, because when I went in, the VIX was down probably 40% year to date at the time. So I thought, wow, what an entry point. So I read up on this, I read up on the exchange traded notes, you know, I think it's sponsored by Barclays, if I'm not mistaken, a big company. So I went in, put 50% of my you know, hard earned winnings into that. Four months in, the put that position was down by 40%. So what did I proceed to do? I proceeded to read more about it, research it, still convince myself that look, we're at the lowest point of volatility since you know, the crisis and there was no sense in it. So believing my own story, believing you know, the side of uh, research that supported my story and proceeded to put the other 50% in. So, you know, long story short, fast forwarded to early 2017 when I liquidated my portfolio uh, or the position uh, in, in VXX, and I must have lost close to 70%. I'm looking at my notes, 69.5% to be exact of my value lost during the course of, let's say, 14 months. I actually recently just checked the price of VXX earlier today. I suppose if I've held on to that position, I would have been down now 87%. So, you know, I guess that's the minor consolation, you know, and I guess the importance of cutting losses and knowing when to say when. So to me, that's my worst investment ever. And not only from the point of view of the fact that I went in not knowing what I wanted to do, I actually went in with a thesis, found research that supported that thesis, kept on reading. But I think the flaw was, I ignored sort of the market about what the market was saying. Again, I'm, I'm a contrarian by nature. So I'm you know, thinking that, okay, these other guys have supported my story or supported the, the narrative, uh, knew what they were talking about. And the rest were just trying to pedal research. By the end of it, yeah, lost about 70% of my money, but some valuable lessons popping out of that. So let's go through, what did you learn from this experience? Ah, okay. Well, one is, don't be overconfident. In my profile, you mentioned that I've held the CFA charter since 2003. So obviously, I'm an educated investor. I've invested in all things from stocks, bonds, you know, options, forex, property, you know, you name it. So I have a pretty diversified portfolio. So going in, I thought I pretty much understood what I was doing. I read all the research, and I think the fact that I came off of a very good investment cycle, you know, since between 08 and 2015, that really gave rise to, you know, the overconfidence part. The second one, which maybe I described a little bit, but it became a lot more pronounced was don't practice information selection bias. I was quite selective in what I believed, in what I read, and like I said, ignoring or at least downplaying or discounting any contrary uh, research or opinions. So I, I think those were the, the two main lessons, you know, overconfidence and information selection bias, both of which, you know, interestingly enough, 
I read all the time in these behavioral investing books, but I think it happens to the best of us. Absolutely. Well, let me summarize what I take away from this story. Uh, the first thing is that, and, and let me know your thoughts after I go through these. The first one is that, uh, and this is a hard one for people like us who do tend to do a lot of research, is that research is no guarantee. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think there's obviously there's people out there that don't do any research and they invest. In fact, it's a number one error out of all the errors or mistakes of the people that I've interviewed um, is that they did no research. This is mm. many people. But the other hand is that sometimes you build up a thesis supported by your own research. That is simply no guarantee that you're going to have good performance. Now, the second thing is after going through now 500 stories that have been submitted to me in writing, as well as 35 stories and in interviews that I've done so far, I've, I've broken down a system. I have it on my wall over here that I've been taking notes about it. But what would be the best way to build a position into an idea and invest? And basically, I brought it into six parts. First is find an idea. Research mm. the return is number two. Number three is assess the risk. And then number four is create a plan. And number five is execute that plan. And number six is monitor the progress. So you mm. find an idea, you research it, you assess the risk, you create a plan, you execute the plan, and you monitor the progress. Now, mm. the, that's probably you could find that in any book out there when you look at how we do it. And the one thing that I would do differently and that I try to highlight in this is that I separate the research about return and the assessment of risk. In other words, Normally, a lot of times when we're doing uh, our research, we think that we're doing some of our risk management is our research. And what we have to think about, in my opinion, is spend as much time as you need to research the exciting potential return that you're going to earn in this particular idea. Enjoy that process. Learn as much as you can. But then stop that process to say, this looks good. Now move to the next step, which is assess the risk. Mm. And I think, you know, in this case, one of the, the risk is kind of an unknown. And, and in some ways, you're making a bet when you're making a bet on volatility, when you're making a bet on any stock and any, you're betting on the future. That's an unknown. And so one of the ways to handle the risk of that is to, to build a small position in that idea and mm. to, to, to follow the concept of diversification, you know, and particularly in the beginning as you're going through an idea. Uh, and then the last thing, so the first thing is risk is, is not a guarantee. The second thing is that research is not a guarantee. The second thing is separate your risk assessment from your return research. And then finally, find opposing views of smart people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those are my three takeaways. Anything you would add to that? Yeah, actually, I, I think maybe along those lines, the other thing kind of that popped out at me and, and something I've been practicing more recently and is, you know, delivered better results is once you've sort of done all of the six steps that you sort of you, you highlighted the other thing i would kind of do is then take a step back and always question your assumptions and in doing so ask the what if questions you know what if what i know to be true is wrong what if the market can be less volatile for longer than you can imagine those types of questions because if actually I had applied that particular advice in addition to your six steps, uh, I would have probably either lightened my position or not put more money in, again, you know, with the overconfidence part. But really about questioning and being skeptical of not only the assumptions you put in, because as you know, Andrew, any 
investment that you go in, you go in with a thesis, right? And, and what a thesis is based on is a set of assumptions. And as you know, assumptions are derived by humans. And as we've learned throughout history is humans are probably wrong as much as they're right. So it probably makes sense to get a grip of your human nature and start questioning some of these, you know, in an objective light. So I would say that's the comment I would add to, Fantastic. you know, your excellent Question. guidelines. Question your assumptions. So now let's take all of this discussion and bring it down for our listeners. Let's do them a favor and let's say, based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? I guess this would be more directed at the more knowledgeable listeners, the people yep, who have actually true. done their research, the people who you know, have confidence and probably have done well in your know, past investment experiences. So my, the thing I would add is remember the six guidelines that you mentioned, but then take a big step back and question those assumptions. And if everything passes the smell test, I would say put in your money, but don't put everything in. Diversify, diversify, diversify. Because if it's working out well, you always have time to add positions later. And if it's doing badly, then actually you can come back and look at your actions and the results, you know, resulting from those actions and maybe change course or investing is a lifetime exercise. So I, I guess nobody ever is perfect. Nobody makes the right decisions all the time. But the whole point of investing is you want to live to fight another day and you want to make sure that you know, you have less mistakes and more successes, and that's all you can hope for because, you know, nobody hits home runs every time, right? Singles, doubles, uh, sorry for the American analogy, but, you know, <laughs> singles, doubles, triples are okay, you know, as long as you don't strike out too often. Uh, and, and maybe quoting Warren Buffett is, the beautiful thing about investing, which is different from, I guess, baseball is, you can stand at the bat all day. You don't have to swing if you don't like the pitch. So wait for the right pitch. Fantastic advice. Wait for the right pitch. Jim, I want to tell you a funny story. My sister invited me to go skiing with her in Maine where she lives. I've lived in Thailand now 26 years. So you can imagine I haven't skied in a long time. But of right. course, I, I was a reasonable skier when I was young. We used to do that a lot. So I got up to the top of the hill. I was with my sister and my nieces. And these, these, the three of them are amazing skiers. And they're like, come on, let's go. And they're like, let's race down this hill. And I stood at the top of that hill on my skis. And I thought to myself, what have I learned in all these years in finance? Reduce risk. And therefore, <laughs> I just went carefully and slowly down the hill. And I enjoyed that day of skiing without any major injury. <laughs> and if I wanted nice. to continue to go out and ski, I could continue to slowly ratchet it up. But I knew yeah. I just had that one day. So I think about um, as we get older, too, the idea of, of reducing risk and protecting our exposure is critical. So absolutely fun story. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, listeners. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Jim, thanks for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for our audience? Uh, the only thing that, uh, keep investing, keep learning. This is a lifelong process and wait for the right pitch.
There and you thank you, Andrew. It's been my pleasure. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.